remain standing just a moment and with our heads for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, that is our testimony tonight. We believe that he lives. And we thank thee for this wonderful gathering tonight, knowing that the Lord Jesus has come to meet with us. And we pray that your blessings rest upon us deeply. Pour out your blessings. And Father, before your lazy handkerchiefs are going to the knees of the sick, the afflicted, while your blessed Holy Spirit is in around this place, we pray that you will look down upon this token of faith and will anoint each of these handkerchiefs with your blessed presence. Go with it to the sick room and may they be liberated. Give us an outpouring of our blessings, a double potion tonight. Heal every sick and afflicted person. And when we leave this building tonight, may we say like those from the Nath, did not our hearts burn along the way? Because he talked with him. Granted, Father, we'll give thee all the praise and the glory, for we ask it in the name of Jesus, thy beloved Son. Amen. Amen. Long may this house of God stand. It's been a pleasure being here this week, understanding that tomorrow we're to go into the, the uh, Music Academy, and we had a wonderful time this week in your fellowship. And God bless all the people, and Brother Hutchinson here, and may this little church grow and prosper in the Lord, is my prayer. We had a wonderful time of fellowship this morning with the Christian businessmen of your beloved city here. Had a fine time. Uh, I believe that was the New York chapter, or New what York, was the New York, New York, Greater New York chapter. And um, so we certainly have enjoyed the wonderful welcome that you've given us, and the presence of the Holy Spirit has been wonderful. Such a wonderful audience to speak to. I've helped you late each night because you're so nice to sit and listen and and take in the things of the Lord. And so we're so happy for that and for you tonight. Now we're going to turn to his blessed word, the book of all books, the Bible. And in the, the book of Romans, uh, the fourth chapter, beginning with the 17th verse, I wish to read a portion of this scripture and go right into the scripture reading. And while the anointing is so good in the building, perhaps make also, um, thank you, sir, make also a, a little tonight. Uh, the Lord may come and heal all the sick while we're speaking, and we hope so. We remember that we base divine healing upon the finished work of Christ at Calvary. Every redemptive blessing lays right there in the Redeemer. It's all paid for, nothing you have to do but to believe it. Accept it as your own personal property. May I say this while you're turning to Romans 4. Every Christian, when you're born again, God gives you a checkbook for everything that you have need of with Jesus' name wrote at the bottom of every check. Sure. Don't be afraid to turn it in, because the bank of heaven will honor it. It certainly was a blood-bought gift that God gives to you freely. Now, New York is known for one thing, one great, many things, but one great thing, it's known for its fine apples you raise up here. 
wonderful apples New York has. And I received an invitation for Elizabeth today, and I thought that was Elizabeth Town when I looked at it. And Elizabeth Town is where I've taken one of my first big game hunts, from Elizabeth over to Newland in the Adirondacks. And up in there they have beautiful fruit, apples. Now did you know, if you people understand, that that little apple tree, when it's just about, a, about three-eighths of an inch high, that every apple that'll ever be in that tree, if you'll ever take off of the hundreds of bushels, is right in it then? If it isn't, where does it come from? <laughs> every leaf, the hundreds of pounds of leaves that'll occupy that little tree is right in it then? You know that? Every blossom is right in the tree right then. Every color is right in the tree. All that that little tree will bear through its, its stay here on earth is in it when it's just a little slip about like that. If it isn't, where does it come from? We, we lose the value a lot of times of things by trying to look at it in the way of material. See? What is it? That little tree is set out. A little slip is set out, and you have to water it. And it has to drink. And it has to drink more than its potion. And it just drinks, and the more it drinks, it, it drinks till it pushes out limbs. Then it pushes out leaves. Then it pushes out bud. Then it pushes out apples. It just keeps drinking and pushing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the way Hallelujah. that we are. We are planted in Christ Jesus, the inexhaustible fountain of life, and we just drink and push, drink everything that we need when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, every healing, everything that we have need of in life's journey, give it to us right then. It's all your personal property. Just drink. That's all. Look and live. That's all. Then you can easily see the resurrection, can't you? My wife said here some time ago, I was combing what few hairs I had left. She said, Billy, you're getting bald-headed. I said, but honey, I haven't lost a one of them. She said, what? I said, I haven't lost a one of them. She said, well, tell me where they're at. I said, well, I'll ask you one thing and you answer me and I'll answer you. Where were they before I got them? <laughs> they come from somewhere. <laughs> And wherever they was before I got them, they are there waiting for me to come to them. <laughs> What's your body made out of? Potash, calcium, a little petroleum, cosmic light, atoms. Well, God just gathered them together and blowed in them, and that was it. That was all of them. There you were. See? And you just turned back to what you was before you was in form like you are now. So the resurrection is just calling back. And let me give you a beautiful thing. Some of you just getting old like I am. See? Did you know when you were first married your wife, remember how she looked, how pretty? Remember how Dad looked? One morning you got up and you looked at those beautiful eyes of Mother, and you said, Mother, there's a little wrinkle coming on your eye. See? He said, Yes, Dad, I begin to notice a gray hair or two. What is it? Death set in. See? But when you walked out the altar as young in your 20s, why well, she was your sweetheart and your bride. Remember how each looked, how straight Dad stood, and how I stooped over. See? See how Mother was? Look at her now. See? 
But then when the picture was drawn, God said, that's it right there. That's the way I want it. He said, come on, death, but you can't take them until I call for you to. So then death set in. Gradually, you start dying. But in the resurrection, all that death done will not appear in the resurrection. It's what God did. I asked the doctor that some time ago. I said, doctor, is it true that every time I eat, I renew my life? He said, that's correct. You make blood cells. I said, every time I take in food, then I renew my life. He said, that's right. I said, why is it? When I was 16, every time I'd eat, I'd get bigger and stronger. And after I passed about 25, more I eat, I get older and weaker. <laughs> Prove that to me scientifically. Pour water into a, a glass out of a container, and the glass is filling up, and then all at once, the more you pour in, the farther down it goes. He said, well, that couldn't be explained. I said, yes, it can. It's an appointment. God has made. That's right. You're going to have to die and meet the judgment. But you see, then in the resurrection, all that death done to you will be taken away, and you'll be back young again. See, if you had black hair, you're on earth, you'll have black hair in the resurrection. If you had blonde hair, you'll be a blonde head in the resurrection. See, God, a lot of people write, tries to make him a Sears and Roebuck Harmony house, but he isn't. God is a God of variety. He has big hills and little hills. Amen. He has plains, rivers, mountains, grassy spots. He has little trees, big trees, white flowers, blue flowers, red flowers. He has, he's a variety. Right. And his people are varieties. And he makes it all to his pleasure. Look at the, look at the earth. You can see what God loves. And that's what will be in the resurrection. Oh, I'm so glad of that, aren't you? To think that someday we'll see him as he is. Someone said not long ago, said, Brother Branham, will we know, will I know my mother? You'll not only know your mother, but you'll know every mother. You'll know everybody. Oh, he said, now, nah, that's ridiculous. Oh, no, no. On Mount Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John had never seen Moses or Elijah, but when they learned that inspiration, they recognized him as soon as they appeared. They've never seen him. Is that right? So we'll know one another. Don't you worry about that. We'll, know. well that wasn't what I was going to talk about, but... I'm going to read some out of the scripture. But I just love him, don't you? And love him just makes you feel so at liberty and so free that you know that there's not all the fears and scares are gone. And it's all over. And we've received Christ and he's received us. And we got the assurance of eternal life and the resurrection and glory and to live through the millennium and to go with him into the new world. And why, there's not a thing to be worried about. Well, we should be so happy just singing like the birds all day long. Amen. But instead we walk along, you know, in fears and doubts. wonder what God thinks of us sometimes. And then he, besides all that, to make the Bible positive, he appears right here, even this little church, nightly, proving itself alive, working among us like this. What a beautiful thing. All right. Now, just before we go to the Word... Let's have just a word of prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, this is your book. And we know that we can raise the pages back and forth. We can turn them from place to place, but there's only one who can open it. And John seen it one time in the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos when he had the revelation of the Lord. And he wept because there was no man in heaven or on earth was worthy to take the book or to open or to loose the seal thereof. But there was a lamb 
standing in the midst. One had been slain since the foundation of the earth, and he come and took it out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne, and he opened it and loosed the seals thereof, because he was worthy. O worthy Lamb, will you loose it to us tonight, and open the seals thereof, and let us have an inside view. Just look past the curtain of time. Grant it, Father, move in our midst, forgiving us of our sins and healing our sickness, and preparing us for the service of thy dear beloved Son while we're here on earth. For we ask it in his name. Amen. The 17th verse of the fourth chapter of Romans, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who he believed, even God who quickens the dead and calleth those things which were not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according as that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was also able to perform. And therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offense and was raised again for our justification. Now we, Lord, add his blessings to that word, and on the first verse of the fifth chapter, we read, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Speaking tonight on this vital subject, and we'll try not to keep too long if we have to stop and continue tomorrow night on it so we can get the prayer a line started. Last night we missed the prayer line, but the Lord gave us the victory anyhow through His blessed presence. He never, He never disappoints anyone. There's no disappointment in the Lord Jesus Christ. How thankful we should be for that. Now, listen close. To go back, to get the background, I like to go back and pick up the background to get a, a, a foundation for what we're fixing to say. So we're speaking on Abraham in order to get the foundation of Abraham. We'd have to go back to Genesis about the 12th chapter and begin where Abraham was first mentioned. And Abraham was just an ordinary man, just like you and I. And he wasn't any extra good man, reason that God called him, but God called Abraham by election. Now, if you'll notice in the Old Testament, which you have a pastor here far 
more able to explain these things than I. But Abraham is justification. I, or Abraham is election, rather. Isaac is justification. And Jacob is grace. And Joseph is perfection. There's nothing against Joseph in the Scripture. He was a perfect type of the Lord Jesus in every way. So, in Abraham is election. God calls man by election for knowledge. No man can come to me except my Father draws him first. All that comes, I'll give him eternal life and raise him up at the last day. That settles it. I'm so happy to know this one thing, friends that Christianity has no negative nothing to it. It's everything absolutely positive. A man that becomes a child of God has a positive hope on Calvary, and Calvary has a positive hope on him with the assurance by Almighty God by an oath to himself that he'll raise him up in the last day and take him to glory. Not no if or and or nothing. It's something that's positive. Now, you can be a mentally worked up or emotionally worked up and just imagine you're saved. But when your spirit bears record with his spirit and your life compares with God's Bible, you've got a pretty good conception. It's all as it be. That's right. But if it don't compare with that, then you better come back again. If you don't love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, if sin doesn't just make you tremble at the thoughts of it, you better come back and be sure. No matter, you might have danced in the Spirit, you might have spoke with tongues, you might have put your name on every church book in this city, you might have been baptized three times forward, backward, sprinkled. That won't have one thing to do with it. Not one thing. You've got to be born again. Something that takes place, a regeneration. And you become a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things become new. You're a new look on everything. The birds sing different. Your enemies that you once couldn't stand, you love them. You really love them. And everything's changed and you know you've passed from death unto life. Right. Now, not by keeping it cold, not keeping cream, not doing this, not by good works are we saved, but by His grace, His mercy. We are, we are already bought. The price is saved bought. Nothing you can do about it. You can more save yourself than a leopard could cleanse his spot. All the washing and going through would just make a bride. Yes, sir. It's a work of God. You never chose God and never did seek God. God seeks you. It's against human nature. Could you imagine telling a pig that he's wrong because he drinks slop? Certainly not. If he could talk and tell you to his own business. All right. That's right. But now, but when that pig's nature is changed, he won't drink no more slop. See? If he gets the lamb's nature. But it's got, it's got to be that something converts the pig before he'll ever have that kind of an attitude. It's got to be something on the inside of him. Changing. Not because you wash him up and put him in a better place to live. He's still a pig. See. You've got to change his nature. And then his desires change by with his nature. 
now, or his nature changes his desires, better place. Now, Abraham was just an ordinary man that come down with his father, perhaps his father might have been an idolater, because he come from Babylon, and at first Babylon was called the gate to heaven, and next was called confusion because of Nimrod, and this might hurt just a little bit, but is it all right? Claire is gone, so I guess I'll say it. Did you notice Nimrod was the first man to begin organization? Yeah. <laughs> right. right. And the first one this side of Calvary was the Catholic Church, still Babylon. Carrying on. Babylon appears in the first of the Bible, middle of the Bible, and the last of the Bible. And every cult and everything that we have today, if you watch the nature of it, and go back in history of hostile to Babylon and many things back there and watch, each one of those seeds was planted in Genesis called Genesis is the beginning. It's the seed book of the Bible. And watch these cults today, how they move and how they act. And go right back in Genesis and find out that it doesn't start right off that same way. And now we're in harvest time, see, of everything. Now, Abraham came down to the land of Chaldea, to the city of Ur, to dwell there. And they probably lived a pretty fair life in those days. He'd probably pick berries for his breakfast and go in the bush and kill an animal for his noonday and and then eat some more berries at night and so forth. They fared pretty good. But one day, while Abraham was walking around at 75 years old, and he had married his half-sister, Sarah, when they, she was just a girl, and she was 65 years old. She was 10 years younger than Abraham. And Abraham, walking around, God called Abraham by grace, by election. He called Abraham and chose him among all the men in the world. God called Abraham because he wanted to give to Abraham his covenant. Now, you know what a covenant is. And now we want to speak on the covenant just for a few minutes. God made his covenant with Adam, and Adam broke his covenant. And when God makes a covenant with man, man always breaks the covenant with God. So God, by foreknowledge, knew that there had to be some preparation made to save man. God made this covenant with Abraham unconditional. Now, that may be a little strong. But he made it unconditional before Abraham did anything to merit. God said, I have already finished it. Nothing, Abraham, you have to do with it. I have done it. You're coming to me in an old age, and I've already saved you. And not only have I saved you, I'll save your seed after you. Not if you'll do something, if you will, or if you won't. I have. A finished work. God already done it. Say, Brother Bram, why are you hitting on those things at night? Is the reason of this. If you can ever get the scare out of the church and let them realize who they are and what they are positionally, healing will be the simplest message to be preached. Or anything else. But you're scared. You're afraid. You don't realize that you're sons and daughters of God. And now, not we will be, we are now sons and daughters of God. Not way off in the future. 
and we want sometime in the future set in heavenly places, now we're seated in heavenly places. Right now. And now we are the sons and daughters of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be in the end, but we know we'll see him, for we'll have a body like his. We'll see him as he is. But now we are the sons and daughters of God. And the covenant is made to Abraham and to his seed after him. Now notice. Now God didn't tell Abraham, if you'll do this or if you'll do that. He said, I have. So the whole covenant is great altogether. And no works about it at all. Now, you say that has an awful Calvinistic swing to it, Brother Brandon. That's right. It does. And Calvinism is all right, as long as it stays true to the Bible. That's right. But when it gets off on the wrong limb, right. then it's no good. Yeah. Our Nietzscheanism, holiness, is correct, as long as it stays in Bible holiness. Right. Not your holiness, but His holiness. Hey. Yeah. That's not my holiness. It's, I'm not depending on my holiness. I have none. But I'm wholly trusting in His holiness. Hey. If he's the one who did it, not my works, but his finished works, and I rest assured that I was received into the Beloved, and when the Beloved was received by God, God received me in Christ. That's settled. See? No negative, no ifs and ands. It's a finished work. And now, when God called Abraham, him being 75 years old, and he said, separate yourself from your kindred. It's strange how we change that today. God calls for separation. We call for mixers. That's right. The people, when they're choosing their pastor, you that do so. Oh, they want a little slick fellow, you know, that'll take a sociable drink and not condemn smoking and uh, feel these things here. A good guy that'll mix with the crowd. But God won't separate us. God calls for a total separation from the things of the world. Come out from among them, the Bible says, and be separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. See? Not a mixer, a separator. The Holy Ghost spoke, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, to the world. A separation. God segregates his people, the right from the wrong. Notice. Now, Abraham was to separate himself and to sojourn in a strange land that he knew not of. Isn't that a beautiful picture today? When God, by election, calls you to his beloved, then immediately God speaks to you to separate yourself from the old crowd. The pool room, the stitch and soul parties where they tell jokes and carry on. A separation. And then he asked you to go in among strange people that you used to think was strange. They spoke a strange language. God calls his people on those bases. And Abraham, the covenant was given to Abraham, and only through Ab- to Abraham and his seed is the promise made. Remember that? Only to Abraham alone and his seed. Well, you say us Gentiles was left. Oh, no. We being dead in Christ take on Abraham's seed and are heirs according to the promise. 
that we have the faith of Abraham. Now, here it is. What? A separation, first thing, from the things of the world. God speaks and you move. And then he calls to dwell among strange people. Go to church to them people that sing and praise the Lord. One time you bowed your head and walked away if you're in the presence where your mother was doing it. But where God calls you, you stand right with mother and your face shining like the morning sun and give a praise. Well, I've seen a little woman many times that were so bashful they couldn't talk to an insurance agent that come to the door with her head bowed so timid after once receiving God could stand in the midst of a church and give a testimony and shake the shingles off the top of the house all day. She's been somewhere. Something's happened. Yeah. Notice how God calls. Then sometimes God does things in the most ridiculous way to the human eye. Did you ever think of that? How God takes the foolish things and to confound the wise. How he takes the things that you'd say were silly, turn right back around and confound the mighty and wise. Look, for instance, Moses, just for a moment, off her subject, but it's, I can only speak as I feel it. <laughs> Moses had been trained as a military man and had been brought up with all the the knowledge of the Egyptians, Pharaoh's daughter's son, who was the heir to the throne. And then in his knowing also besides that, that he had a divine call. And when he tried to act upon his education and upon his ability, what happened? We slew an Egyptian, looked this way and that way. Now, a man of God don't have to look and see whether anybody's looking or not. A man of God looks this way and that way, right. not this way and that way. Right. So, Moses right there, give it away. He was to liberate the children of Israel, but he was out of God's program. And the church is God's instrument of the earth to liberate the sick and the afflicted but they're out of the program by their homemade theologies, That's not right. the Bible, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now, Moses, after God had given him 40 years more of teaching, 80 years old, could you imagine how ridiculous to the carnal mind this would be? Here was Moses in the presence of the burning bush was better equipped in five minutes in the presence of God than 80 years of schooling had given him. Amen. Praise God. I hope that don't hurt, but I hope it really sinks in. Hallelujah. Amen. In the presence of God, five minutes? Praise God. Daily more knowledge of God is better equipped him than 80 years of schooling. Brother, we don't need so much theology. We need neology today. That's true. Five minutes in the presence of the burning bush. 
Eighty years he'd shunned, forty years on the desert running, and five minutes in the presence of God at the burning bush, he was ready to go. There you are. And notice, here he comes, an old man, eighty years old, whiskers come down to his belt line, with a stick in his hand, his wife sitting straddling you with a kid on each hip. So who wins the boy said, Where are you going, Moses? I'm going down to Egypt to take over. <laughs> A one man invasion. Why the carnal mind would said crazy. Egypt had the whole world whipped down at that time. With tens of thousands of horsemen and chariots. Be like one man said, I'm going to take over Russia. Amen. More greater than <laughs> Look, here he goes. Could you imagine? Oh, here comes Moses. Them little old thin, wrinkled arms, an old crooked stick in his hand, beating the ground, dragging this little mule and his wife, sitting on there with a child on each hip, just to sing in the praises of God. Something, Moses, where are you going? Going down to Egypt to take over. Why? He wasn't scared. He didn't learn that by some theology. He didn't learn that by some book reading. But he had been in the presence of the burning bush. That was the difference. And the thing of it was, he did it. Not what he said, but he went and done it. He went out and took over and destroyed Egypt. A one-man invasion. But he had been in the presence of God. Now, that looked ridiculous to the carnal mind. When they wanted water, it would have been ridiculous to go to a rock. What about the spring? But God said the rock. See? God takes the foolish things to confound the wild. So don't think you're too big, brother, and know too much. You might have to get a whole lot of that to know Christ. So look at Moses. And now, let's turn back to Abraham. God told Abraham, now you're an old man, 75 years old. You've lived with your wife since she was a girl, a little child, a little 16 or 18 year old girl. And now she's 65, 40, 50, 60, about 25 years past menopause. But I'm going to give you a child by her. Now, as I said last night, could you imagine when Abraham went down to the doctor to make arrangements for the birth of this child at 75 and his wife 65? <laughs> well, today they're going to place him in a mental institution. See? But he bought up all the clothes and whatever taken from the baby. Well, I can hear him say the poor old fellow, he's getting old now, if something slips. Just like that. The carnal mind thinks that. But what was the difference? Abraham had been in the presence of God. He had the revelation. He had the covenant. And he knows that God would keep it. In our reading here tonight, he, in the presence of God, spoke like God. And he called those things that were not as though they were. For he was fully persuaded that God was able to keep that which he had said. And may I stop here just for a moment to this lovely audience tonight? Someone said to me, he said, Brother Branham, 
Aren't you afraid that sometime you'll make a mistake when on that discernment? No, sir. Why? It's to fulfill the word of God. Jesus said, these things that I do shall you also. And in the presence of God, God made the promise and God's obligated to his promise. And no matter how ridiculous it looked for a 65-year-old woman to bring forth a baby by a man 75 years old and how the scientists and doctors would have thought that was impossible, but Abraham believed it. And not only did he believe it, but he made ready for it. I like that. He acted as though it was already over. Anybody that ever got anything with God took God at his word and acted as though it was absolutely finished. For when, here it is, for when God speaks the word, it's already finished. God's word is forever confirmed in heaven. Oh, my, I like that. Already finished, as soon as it leaves the lips of God, it's a word. And it has to materialize. When little Mary, coming to the virgin, coming from the spring that day, with the kittle over her head or a pot of water, maybe it was Monday the wash day, but when the great angel Gabriel met her and said, Hail Mary, and he stopped. Blessed art thou among women because you found favor with God. And he told her that she was going to have a baby knowing no man. Now, a few, about a few months before that, he had met a preacher by the name of Zachariah. And he told him he was... Uh, his wife was getting old, so probably in her late 40s, and he told him that he was going to have a baby by his wife, and that preacher doubted it. Said, how could these things be my wife's old and so forth? As they'd been praying for that all the time. But he questioned when he had many examples of Hannah at the temple, and he also had a Sarah here we're speaking of. But... He failed to believe it. But what did Mary say? She never questioned it. She said, Behold the hands made of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And what did she do? She never waited until she was positive. She never waited. You're a mixed audience. You listen to your doctor and I'm your brother. But listen, she never waited until she felt right or anything else that she was positive. As long as God said so, that was enough for her to have. She took God at his word and began testifying that he was going to have the baby before she had any evidence other than the word of God. You see, she was Abraham's seed. Just as soon as God says so and you read the Bible, take him at his word and start thanking him for it. When the Holy Ghost fell on the people of Pentecost, they had took God's Word. He never said, you wait up there two days, three days, ten days. He said, you wait until. And they were up there thanking Him and praising Him for His promise when the Holy Ghost came. Take Him at His Word. Thank Him for it. Yeah. Do you need healing? Do you need liberation from anything? 
Receive it. Believe it. Take his word. Thank him for it. And call those things which are not as though they were, if there anything was God's word. Now, how is this woman, 65 years old, and a man of 75 years old, going to have this baby? But God said so. And they made arrangements for it. Now, Abraham failed to do like the human being. Now, if the covenant would have been on conditions right here, he, first thing, his daddy gave him a lot of trouble. Then his father died. And then, instead of separating himself, he took a big bunch along with him. <laughs> That's about the way we do. <laughs> you know what I mean. All right, I won't have to speak that because I believe you caught that. <laughs> All right. Next thing, what taking place? There was Lot. When God said, separate yourself from everybody, the walk with Christ is an individual walk. You walk, you stand alone with you and God alone. Not you and the pastor, you and God alone. Not you and the deacon, sometimes you and your wife, you and your husband, but you and God alone. You stand alone on your conviction. Salvation is not a church affair, it's an individual affair. Church is a gathering place where we come in one common ground and worship God. But salvation isn't because you've joined the church, it's because you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted Him as your personal Savior. And then, you have to do more than that now. It isn't a make-believe. Some very good Baptist friend of mine, and you know I'm a Baptist myself, but I'm a Baptist that got the Holy Ghost. Look, so look, he said to me, he said, Brother Branham, you're speaking of the Holy Ghost. He said, well, we receive the Holy Ghost when we believe. I said, oh, no. That's not what Paul said. Paul in Acts 19 said, have you received talking to Baptist people? Apollos was converted. Yes, sir, the converted lawyer. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? That's right. Why, well, he said, Brother Branham, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. What more could a man do but believe God? I said, that's all he can do. But God gave him the seal of circumcision as recognizing his faith. And you say you've got faith and God's never given you the Holy Ghost yet to seal it, and the Holy Ghost is the seal of God? Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of your redemption. And if you say you believe you've never received the Holy Ghost yet, then God hasn't recognized your faith. But God gave Abraham a sign of recognition of his faith by circumcision. And he gives you a sign of the recognition of, recognition of your confessed faith in him, professed faith, when he gives you the baptism of the Holy Ghost to seal it as a finished work. How long? Until the day of your redemption. Not till the next revival, but till the day that you're redeemed from this earth. Amen. Amen. A finish, a seal, represents a finished work. The boxcar's loaded and the seal is on it. It's completed. It's finished. It's bound for destination. Woe to anyone who will break the seal. Amen. Oh, I feel real religious tonight. <laughs> I really do. Amen. Notice, well, it's the Word. See, the Word brings life. 
and Abraham. Then what happened? Lot, they become a quarrel. And then after Lot was separated, we don't have time. I watch that clock there. But we don't have time to get, we just hit the high spots now for a moment. Notice, then when Abraham, herdsman and Lot's herdsman, got to arguing with each other, Lot was already backslidden in his heart, and he went towards Sodom, and you know the end of him. But Abraham, as soon as he had done what God told him to do, to separate himself from his kindreds and everything, I say, what about Sarah? Him and Sarah's one. You and your wife are one, you see. See? But now, Sarah was in the covenant with him. Of course, she was the wife. But notice, when he separated himself from Lot, and Lot's wife, I imagine Miss Lot wanted to belong to all the lotteries and everything that belonged to the country, you know, so she, she was a hindrance to him. And the Bible said, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin is easy to set it when we're in this journey. Let us run with patience the race that's set before us, looking to the author and finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, then when he got separated from, from Lot, what did God appear to him then again? After he separated himself and done what God told him to do, then God come to him. And when God tells you to do anything, you better go do it or you might not see him no more for a while. Do what God tells you to do. That's, that's the, your next move, is to obey God. Then when he got himself separated from Lot, then God appeared to him and said, Abraham, you made a nice choice. You told uh, Lot to take his choice. And Lot went out towards Sodom because, oh, the big times down there. Oh, my. They had all kinds of games and races and big times at night in the place to watch television if it would have been such a thing and all the everything. You know, and just take it easy. That's the way people like to go with the waters of least resistance. Like you're going to live here forever. You're not. And notice, then when he did, Abraham took the poor and barren land. But when God appeared to him, he said, Abraham, stand up. Look to the east. Look to the west. Look north and south. Said, every bit of it I've given to you. Said, now, Abraham, I want you to walk to it. Amen. Excuse me for being just a little indignified tonight. But walk to it. It's your possession. It belongs to you. Every, every person that comes to Christ, every promise in the book belongs to them. Go through it. Find out whether healing belongs to you, whether salvation or the baptism of the Holy Ghost, or whether Christ is the same yesterday and forever. When you possess anything and it belongs to you, walk through it. Amen. Oh, I love it. Investigate. You know, it's like a great big arcade. And there's everything in it. You know, and it is a big arcade of God's blessing. And by one spirit, we're all baptized into this arcade of God's blessing. I'll go along and look at this. That's mine. I'll turn around and look at this. That's mine. Look over here. That's mine. Look over here. That's mine. 
grant. For mine. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I'm trusting in His love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. Belongs to me. It's your property. If you do it. Anybody that does it, God promises. Yeah, I'm so happy. 
thank the Lord. Blessed be. Understand the word I see. This would be God that was speaking, you see. So now, maybe he would want me then to call the prayer line. I'll finish my sermon tomorrow night, you see, if he do it. Now let's bow our heads just a moment for prayer. Now, our Heavenly Father, we wonder if I might not have been speaking right or what was it, speaking of yours, but seemingly that something you broke in. So, Lord, you promised the blessing according to that interpretation to the people. And we pray now that in the manifestation of thy love and power, will you shed forth your blessings upon the people. And if it's time for the prayer line, then make it known, Lord, in a mighty outpouring of thy blessings. And now forgive us if we are wrong. We pray that grace will overshadow us and that we'll be working in your divine province tonight, that your power and blessings will be upon us and will keep us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, how many is sick and needy tonight? Let's see your hands now. How many is needy? All right. That's, that's good. That's wonderful. All right. Now, I want to say something just before we call the prayer line. Look, if Jesus Christ has raised from the dead, how many believe that he has? All right. How many has never been in one of our meetings before? Let's see your hands. All right. Just a very few tonight. All right. You know the order of the meeting. Now, it's my contention that, that, this, that no man can heal. Not even a doctor claims to heal. Now, I've been interviewed. You read... The Reader's Digest about a year or something ago, it was in October a year ago or something like that, on the healing of little Donnie Martin that Mayo Brothers would give up, and they brought him to the platform in California, and there the vision showed the little boy was healed. See? And they packed a big article of it, and I was at Mayo Brothers for an interview. All right. They say we do not claim to be healers. We only claim to assist nature. There's one healer, that's God. Let me show you something, just how simple it is. Watch for instance, I'd cut my hand tonight. I've used this illustration. I'd cut my hand. Now, there isn't a medicine in the world that can heal that cut. Not a one. Now, that, that's true. Any medicine that heal a cut in my hand would heal a cut in my coat. It would heal a cut in this desk. See? It would heal a cut on the floor. Well, you say, Brother Branham, medicine wasn't made to heal your coat and your desk and so forth. It was made to heal your body. All right? Now, I cut my hand and I fall down dead. They bombed my body to make me look natural for 50 years. And let the doctor come and give me a shot of penicillin, put in sulfur drugs, pour in tincture methylate, sew it up. And if I'm, my body won't decay for 50 years, that cut will be just exactly like it was when it was cut. Is that right? Well, now, if medicine is made to heal a human body, why don't it heal? Well, you say, Brother Branham, life has gone out. Oh, that's different, isn't it? You tell me what life is, and I'll tell you who God is. See? 
See? Medicine only keeps clean while God builds tissues. He's the creator. A healing is a creation. And there's no one, and I want to ask some of you brethren here that believes that Satan can heal. If Satan can heal, he's a creator. He has to. And what have you got then? Satan can create. He never created nothing. He can pervert but not create. See? There's only one creator, and that's God alone. And any healing can't come by man or nothing else. It has to come by the creator alone. What if I was out here cranking my T Model 4 and I broke my arm? Now I run and say, hey, doctor, heal my arm right quick. It's broke. I've got to finish cranking that Ford. Well, he'd say, you need healing somewhere else. Well, that's right. Now the doctor, what can he do? That would be the thing to do. Go to him. He'll set my arm. Pull the bones back, put an x-ray and see it, put a splint on it. It isn't healed. No more healing it was when it went in. He sets it and leaves it for God to heal. God's the only one who can do it. I'm the Lord who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all of your diseases. Healing is alone in God. Alone can heal. He's the only creator and the only thing that can heal. Now, the doctor can remove a tooth who stops the blood. A doctor can cut appendix who heals the hole where he cuts. He can cut out a tumor well, who heals the cup? God's the healer. He removed the tumor and God done the healing. See? God is the only healer. Never a hospital, never a doctor, never a medicine. If a doctor tells you that he's the healer, you can imagine he's a quack. And when a preacher tells you he's the healer, he's a quack too. That's right. Because there's only one healer, that's God. And that's right, God. So there's no need of thinking, I don't care how much oil if it runs out with a gallon, and you claim that divine oil, it's the Antichrist spirit dealing with you. Of course, what happens to the blood of Christ if that's got anything to do with it? See? It's absolutely not. It's fantastic in the devil in the world today. It, like Jambres and Jambres whispered Moses, such that's not in the Bible. There's no such as that. God wants you to pour out oil and made you a Texas oil well or an olive tree or something. But he made you a human being to preach the gospel and to bring the message to the people of the salvation of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. That might be strong, but it's the truth. I'd rather be honest here and tell you the truth than have to answer for it as the day of judgment for you. That's right. Now, healing belongs along in God. It's the finished work of Christ at Calvary. Don't forget that, church, whatever you do. And every blessing that's in Everything that you lost in the fall, Christ redeemed back to you at Calvary. It's been finished 2,000 years ago. Every person that's ever healed, every person that's ever saved was saved when Jesus died at the cross and finished the work. He screamed to the Father, it's finished. All of it's a complete plan of salvation. And now we have the earnest of our salvation. Now, divine healing is not on the same basis as salvation. Divine healing was included in the atonement, truly. The old atonement had divine healing, and the new one is a much better than the old one. So if it's better, it's got to be better in every way. But divine healing, salvation of the soul, you become a new creature, eternal life. You don't have eternal health by healing. But it's an attribute. It's, it's the earnest of your resurrection. If there's no divine healing, then there is no resurrection. See? 
But now what is it? It's your own personal faith in a finished work of Christ at Calvary. Now, what does he do? The first initial way is just like we were going a few minutes ago. Hear the word, and faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the word. God wanting to be kind to you. He sends gifts in the church. Some of them is what we heard a while ago, speaking with tongues and interpretation. God sends wisdom, knowledge, gifts of healing. Then he sets in the church apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. All those things are the perfecting of the body of the Christ, that we might have all the differences combed out of us and how the Holy Spirit, you know, the Bible said, come and buy of me the gold, tried in the fire. In the old days when they, when they used to try gold, they'd beat it. And they'd take gold and lay it down and beat it and beat it and turn it over and beat it and beat it and beat it until all the dross was out of it. All the dirt was out of the gold. And the way the beater could tell, he could see his own reflection in it. Every time he beat and beat until he could see himself in the gold, he knows the dirt was beat out. And that's the way the Holy Spirit does to the church. It beats the stuff out of us, the indifference, the dross, and things that don't belong into us. The crash image reflects back into his church. Or he reflects himself in his church because the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, we mustn't walk at this or go at this with a half-hearted uh, attitude. We must go with a full-surrendered attitude. We must come to the church and listen to the Bible, and if anything is brought out of this Bible, believe it. If it's not out of the Bible, then it's up to you. But the Bible is God's foundation plan. It's His plan of redemption. It's His plan of healing. It's the plan of everything that He has is laid out right here. And the Bible said, Woe unto Him that will add to or take out. This is it. I believe the Word. I've been into churches. And watch how people, a lot of times in churches, watch how the pastor acts. The church will act that way. Friends, I say this not as sharp talking, but I say it as a servant of Christ. To be honest with you, many times they get one another's spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. That's right. See? Yeah. And that's the reason when I, you act, it makes them act alike. Notice. But that's the reason when I come to you, I know nothing but the Bible. I want you to have the spirit that's in the Bible, which is the spirit of Christ. And that's the reason I try to... Stay in the Word and get nothing but what's in the Word, see, and bring it to the people. Now, Christ is alive tonight. If He isn't alive, then the Bible's wrong, and you're lost. You're in the world without God, without hope, and when you die, you're finished. But if Christ is alive tonight, then, and you believe in Him and He's accepted your faith as you have confessed in Him, then you are the most, ought to be the most happiest person in all the world. Because your salvation is paid for, you're secured safely in the arms of Christ, sealed, you are dead, your life is hid in God through Christ and sealed by the Holy Ghost. How can the devil ever touch you? See? For you are dead, your life is hid in God through Christ and sealed by the Holy Ghost. That's the scripture. You are just as bound for heaven as Christ went to heaven himself. And you're free from judgment. Christ took our judgment. And God could not judge you again. He would be unjust to send you to judgment. 
he'd be untruthful to send you to judgment. Because he judged Christ in your stead, and he was bruised for our iniquities, and there when he judged Christ, he let us go free, because Christ took our judgment. Jesus said in St. John 5, 24, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath present tense eternal everlasting life and shall never come into the judgment but done pass from death unto life. That's the Scripture. Then God could not be just and judge you. We'll never stand at the judgment bar. I've already stood one time. And I realized how guilty I was and I asked forgiveness and He accepted me. And my judgment's been paid on Calvary, and every one of yours the same. We have nothing to fear. Everything is in Christ. Christ has to make it sure. He knows infidelic and unbelief and skeptics and so forth that rise in the last days. He was God. He could foresee. He knew the mind of God as God revealed it to him. He said, I do nothing till the Father shows me. Everything Christ did, he did it by vision. Amen. That's right. No miracles did Christ do on earth without first seeing a vision from God. He said so. I used to go around at random and do this and do that and do this. You got the wrong conception of him. The Bible said, Jesus said himself, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself. See, I can do nothing in myself. But what I see the Father doing, that does the Son likewise. That's either right or wrong. To me, it's right. It's God's work. And that settles it. Watch his life, everything along, everywhere. It was always the Father showing me what God speaks to do what the Father told him. He said, Now these things that I do shall you also, for I go unto my Father. A little while the world won't see me anymore, yet you shall see me, for I will be with you to the end of the world. I'll even be in you to the end of the world. Christ has died, suffering in the flesh, put to death for our sins and sickness. He ascended up on high to the right hand of the Father, and the Spirit that was in him returned back into the church as he was the first Son of God, and we are our joint heirs with him in the kingdom of being the adopted children by his adoption and his plan of salvation that he introduced to us and gave to us by his grace. And tonight we are a part of God and can no more perish than God can perish. I give... He that heareth my words, believeth on him, and sent me, has eternal life. And any Bible reader or scholar that would want to question that, see if in the original that isn't said sozo there. That's right, sozo means the life of God himself is in you. And you can no more perish than God can, and I'll raise him up at the last day, said Jesus. Amen. Because that life is in you. Here some time ago I was sitting talking to an old Methodist preacher an old good friend of mine, and we were talking in the agriculture hour, come on, the little 4-H club of Louisville, Kentucky, was talking about where they had invented a machine that could turn out grains of corn that looked so perfect that it makes just the same kind of cornmeal that the original corn would make. It would make the same kind of cornflake. And to take a handful out of the sack that the machine made and a handful out of the sack that was grown in the field and mixed them together, you could not tell them apart. You're taken into there and you cut them open. They had the same amount of moisture, same amount of calcium, same every chemical was just in it exactly the same. They said there's only one way you can you can tell them. Bury them. The one that man made has not a germ of life in it will lay there. The one that God made has life in it and lives again. I said, You better hold my hand, preacher, I'll embarrass you here in the world. 
There's two men can go to church and both of them act like Christians and so this day deacons on the board together, pastors in the pulpit together, whatever you might say, but one of them has life and the other has not. Those that's got eternal life are raised in the resurrection with the Lord Jesus Christ because Christ has raised from the dead and he is alive among us tonight and he is not dead. And our religion of Jesus Christ is not a vain philosophy, but it's a living, present tense fellowship with the Holy Ghost and Christ right here in the church tonight, performing and doing and blessing and shedding and healing and manifesting himself to prove he's alive among his people. Hallelujah. How wonderful. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, now... The Word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the Word. We pray tonight that you'll manifest yourself and let this audience, Lord, someday we've got to answer. And at the day of the judgment, if you will just come tonight and do the same things that you did, then there, it would have to be a demon-possessed person that would turn their bowels of compassion away from Calvary and walk away and say it was wrong. It would be like the Pharisees that stood on the day when they seen Jesus performing the work and told Philip and Nathaniel when they come up that where he was before he come and told Peter a few minutes before that that his name was Simon and he was the son of Jonas. And the Pharisees wanted to tell him he had Beelzebub. And we know that our Lord said, I'll forgive you for that, but when the Holy Ghost is coming, does it? It'll never be forgiven if you speak a word against it. And Father God, we pray tonight that you'll give the sheep your bread tonight, the bread of life. These who are struggling here in Boston, this great big fabulous city, where sin heaping on every side, bootleg joints, mother's boys throwing out across the street, you're drunk. And how that these big churches with their big spires standing up there, Lord, and, and failing, oh God, Oh, how it burns in my heart when I think of their cold, formal indifference and how they stand stiff and starchy and warn the people against coming to hear your message and so forth. Oh, God, I pray that you'll burn into this city, send an old-fashioned revival after the closing year and sweep it from coast to coast, from shore to shore, that they'll know that you have raised from the dead. Feed your hungry sheep, Lord. Oh, how many of these people sitting here tonight, old man that's preached the gospel for years, that stood by looking for the time to come when God would restore these things. How that women have sat here and they prayed and read the Bible and stained it. How they've been called but out of names, holy rollers and all kinds of fanatic names and how they've been tossed about, but still with a heart looking to you, oh Christ, manifest yourself tonight to them. That let them know that their, vain, their faith is not in vain, but that you live and you see every move in action and know everything in their heart. Grant it, Lord. And when the service is closed, may we bow our heads and give praise to Thee and worship Thee and make ourselves ready as far as we can to go and to serve You and to do everything that we know that's in our power that's to do right. Permit this to us tonight, Father, through Thy grace and in the blood and in the name of Jesus Christ we ask it. Amen. Amen. I don't know why, I just can't close, look like somehow. But now, my dear friends, now you may the Lord Jesus bless.
Now we go to call a prayer line to pray for the sick. I clearly explain to you I cannot heal, and I believe no one else can. The only thing that you can do is accept what I told you. And I have said it, the Bible has said, that wasn't my subject tonight, but Christ is alive. If you're the seed of Abraham, you're bound to recognize it. My sheep know my voice. Certainly, Jesus said that. And so when, if you're the seed of Abraham, you'll recognize the spirit of Abraham, of Christ, which comes through Abraham by the flesh. So then may the Lord grant to you tonight that your eyes of understanding will be open. And if you're here tonight as a lukewarm church member, I'm not criticizing you, mister, my brother. I believe you to be a Christian if you've confessed Christ, but just in a lukewarm state. You, my sister, I'm not criticizing you, but I'm trying to tell you, stop that little old formal way you're living in. Come into Christ. Be anointed and go out and do something for him. Make, don't leave your church. Just make a real on-fire Christian in your church. That's what it is. God will take care of the rest of it for you. If you just simply accept, if you're a sinner and never have accepted Christ, won't you do it tonight? I'm saying this because I'm trying to find favor with him, that he'll come down and perform what we're asking about, what we're going to ask him to do, to appear here on this platform. Not as a, as a, oh, what would I call it, as a stage show. Never. That's not the attitude. That's not the spirit I'm speaking in. I'm speaking to represent Jesus Christ Amen. to a dying world, to let them get their faith centered in him, to know that our religion of Christ in the Bible is not some fictitious book or some uh, uh, book like the Koran or some other book. It's a living book with a living Christ. It's a living church. God grants that he'll do it. Now, uh, I forgot that. Did you get out the records? Okay. How many? 100 and what? What's the letter? I. All right. Let's start with number one then. Who has prayer card number one? Raise up your hand. Right quick now. We'll call the prayer line. One. All right. I believe this. Mother. Un all right. I then. I number one. I think there's some more letters out, but we'll start with the I then. I number one. Who has it? Raise up your hand. The lady back there. Come here, lady. Number two. Would you raise your hand? Look at your neighbor now. When I call their number, they may be deaf. Can't hear. Or they may be crippled. Can't walk. And um, so, um, number one, number two, raise up your hand quickly, if you will. Prayer card, number two. Would you raise your hand quickly? You have it, lady. The color lady there, is it number two? Number one, I one. Now, you can't be two I ones here. <laughs> Billy, you better check the lady's card. All right, number two then. Who has number two? Raise up your hand. Up in the balcony? Well, that boy? All right, Sonny, come here. Number three? Would you raise your hand? Up high so I can see you. Number three? The man here? All right. Right out there, sir. Number four? Would you raise your hand? Quickly. You have it, lady. Number five? All right. Number five, your lady. Six? Seven? Eight? Raise your hand. Eight. Prayer card number eight. Raise your hand, please. All right. Nine. All right. Ten. Eleven. Just raise your hand real quick. We can get them up here quick if you'll just be quick. Look at your card. Look at your neighbor's card. Look around. See somebody's card in her hand. Look at it. 
Look at this, this little boy here. Has he got a card? I see he couldn't walk. Has he got a card? Has, has never been called yet? All right, just watch his card. All right, number, I believe that's seven or eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Let those get up and come. See if they can all get there. Because if they lose their number, well, that doesn't mean now for any other purpose but just to keep it lined up, my dear friend. How many here doesn't have a prayer card and you believe Jesus Christ will make you well? Let's see your hand. And you believe him. Anymore, I don't care where you are. Just believe him. All right. Now, while uh, they're watching the line there, the line up, I believe I called 15. All right. But 15, my last number. All right. I'll see if they got them there. All right. Look. If Jesus Christ has raised from the dead, the Bible said in Hebrews 13, 8, let's quote it together. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, what was the sign that he was Jesus Christ in the New Testament, foretold by the Old Testament, and produced or made manifest in the New Testament? Would you like to know? All right, we'll just take a couple, just a, a little bit here. When a Jew founding in the Jewish religion, a real, true, orthodox Jew founding, he recognized him to be the Son of God, the King of Israel. What did Jesus do to make him recognize that he was the Son of God? He told him that he was a, a believer and an honest man and told him that he saw him praying under a tree before he comes. How many know that's right? And what did the Jews say? Thou art the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. Is that right? That's what he said. Peter recognized it. When he come and Peter said, called uh, up before the Lord, and Jesus said, Your name is Simon. <laughs> and your father's name is Jonas. But said, I'm going to name you again. I'm going to call you Peter, which means a little stone. I wonder what the apostle thought. How did he know who I was and what my name was and what my daddy's name was? And when he knew that this Hebrew had come from around the mountain, and the day before, Jesus said, I saw you under a tree. How could he see him 30 miles around behind the mountain? But he saw him as he said, I can do nothing except the Father shows me first. What I see the Father do, that I do also. That was the sign of the Messiah. Is that right? Is the little boy there the first patient? Or you are. Come here just a minute. Here's another illustration. Here's a man and a woman standing here for the newcomers. Now, there was a, a, a sign of this one time in the Bible. There's a woman who recognized him to be the Christ in the Bible. She was a Samaritan. And one day Jesus was going down to Jericho, but the Father told him, go up to Samaria. Now, here's Jericho, here's Jerusalem, and over there's Samaria. So in going to Jericho, he went the roundabout way, way up here, to Samaria, for he said he had need. He said he did nothing until the Father showed him. Now what? He sits down on the well and he sends the disciples away. That's perhaps what his vision called for. Would you believe that? He did nothing until the Father showed him. 
Well, when a woman went, when all of them went away, a woman come out. We believe her to be a prostitute, woman of ill fame. About noontime, she come out to get a jug of water. And when she got the jug up, got her water, perhaps starting to lift it up on her head, Jesus, a middle-aged Hebrew man, sitting over to one side, said, Bring me a drink. Well, she looked around and said, It's not customary for you Jews to ask Americans such. We don't have any dealings with each other. He said, But if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. And I'd give you water, you don't come here to draw. And she said, Well, you've got nothing to draw with. She said, oh, Now, we know that our father Jacob dug this well, and he gave it to us, and his cattle drank from it. And you mean you're greater than our father Jacob? She said, uh, we, uh, we uh, worship in this mountain, and you stay at Jerusalem. And the conversation went on at length, him and her talking together. And finally, when he caught her spirit, he said, go get your husband and come here. She said, I don't have any husband. He said, that's right, you got five. And the one you got now is not yours, so you said, well. Is that what he said? Now watch what she said. She said, sir... I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, what is a prophet spirit? What I talked about the big diamond last night with the many glistening lights off of it. God is a man, and these are just gifts out of God. Prophets, teaching, evangelists, it's just lights from God. I perceive that you are a prophet. Because you didn't know me. You wouldn't know what my trouble was. And that's my trouble. But if... We know that when the Messiah cometh, you believe Jesus was the Messiah? The one that's the same yesterday ever? Watch this Samaritan woman. See what the Hebrew recognized in that? She said, when the Messiah cometh, he'll tell us all things. We know that he'll do these things when he comes. But who are you? She said, I'm he. And she dropped the pot and ran into the city and said, come see a man. She said, it told me all things. Now, he didn't do that. He just told her one thing. But if the father would have showed him more, he'd have told her more. But she was all excited. It would excite you. And she wanted to tell the man, come here. Let me show you. Here, here, here's the man told me the things that I've done. Come, isn't this the very Messiah? In other words, gentlemen of this city, don't you recognize that that's the sign of the Messiah? And he's sitting out there at the gate. There you are. See, he's sitting out there. Come see. And they went out to find out. He never done anything like that to them, but his call. He was right with the Scriptures. And they know that that was the Messiah. So he didn't do any more miracles because he knew that Philip was going down there to hold that revival after Pentecost. See? So he just left the miracles alone until Philip come down. Amen. Now, notice. Now, if that was the sign, if that was the work and the sign of the Messiah... And yesterday, and if he's raised from the dead, it's the sign of the Messiah tonight. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that right? Now, how many would believe that? Would you raise your hand if you'd say, I'd actually, all over the church, no matter who you are, you'd believe it. All right? Now, some didn't raise your hand, but of course you wouldn't believe anyhow, see? So, if, if an angel rose from... A man rose from the dead, Jesus said, and would come back, they still wouldn't believe it. Is that right? right. You're just fulfilling prophecy, because no matter if one did raise from the dead, if he did raise from the dead, and this night, in this church, that scripture that Jesus said is fulfilled. 
Though one raised from the dead, they would not believe it. And he's raised from the dead and proven himself to be here, and still you don't believe it. Now, have faith and believe. Now, the lady I suppose to me is a stranger that I've never seen in my life. We're strangers, are we, ladies? Now, if that's right, raise up your hand. I've never seen the lady in my life, knowingly. God knows that. I know nothing of her. And it's a hard matter. I'm going to ask the sister if she will abide with me softly, if you will. Now, let me say this. I felt warned to say it. What happens to unclean spirits when they go out of a person? They try to find a place to get into. And in the Bible times, did they go into unbelief? They sure did. And we've seen it happen thousands of times. Now, this woman standing here, I don't know her. She might be here as a deceiver. If she is, watch what happens to her. And if she's here for sickness, I pray God will heal her. If she's here for finances, whatever it is, if she's a, a woman that owes a great debt and they're going to foreclose on her, I pray God give her the money. If she's got a domestic affair, I, I pray that God will help her. I, I don't know. God alone knows. Well, if she's standing here, and uh, if I could do something for the lady and wouldn't do it, then what kind of a person would I be as a minister? I wouldn't be worthy to be called a minister. you believe that, lady? But I couldn't do nothing for you, lady. But I, I'm going to change this picture now. Just place yourself back in the Bible time and say, uh, like that scene I just talked about, the Christ at the well. Now, I'm not the Christ, and she's not the Samaritan. But it's a man and a woman again that's never met before. And now, if he's raised from the dead and will do the same things that he did when he was here on earth, he would know you. If it's for sickness, he would, he would know what your sickness was. He could tell you that. But to heal you, he couldn't. He's already did it at Calvary. It would be your faith. And then it would be your personal faith in his resurrection and his benefits for you at Calvary and his resurrection for your justification. You believe that? You do. And if God in heaven will send down his spirit, and the only thing I can do, lady, is just if, surrender myself to him. And he has to do the talking because I don't know nothing about you. And if he will speak and tell me what you're here for, now you know what it is. There's something like he did in the Bible. Would you believe it to be him? You know, in the audience, would you believe it? Yes. Now here we are, not in a dark room. We're here before the at least a thousand people. And it's been done before 500,000 people. See. But... Not some dark room, some witchcraft, muttering, guessing. It's, it's God Almighty. He's permitting His blessings to come to us. See? What is a soothsayer? What is a fortune teller? Is a perverted spirit that the devil has taken that person who could have been used for God and perverted it into the devil's work. What is sin? Is righteousness perverted? Not nothing the devil created, something different. It's what God created and the devil perverted it. See? 
I trust that he'll help you, ladies. Now, you'd know it would be some kind of, it'd have to be a supernatural, wouldn't it? Then whatever it would be would determine what you get from it, your approach. When the woman went to, the, to Elijah to ask about her baby, if she'd come up there critical, she'd have never got what she asked for. The Roman soldier that put a rag around Jesus' head and hit him and said, tell us who hit you, he didn't get anything, never, not even an answer. But the woman that touched his garment, she got an answer, didn't she? It was her approach, see? And it's your approach and anybody else's approach, and it's my approach to him. If I said I did this within myself, I'd be a telling lie. See? So I approach and tell God, it's him permitting me to do this. And it's not for my sake, no, sir. I keep my meetings little and like that to keep them even had big meetings and things. I don't have radio, television, I just let it go, see? Because I, I, I don't want to be something in the picture of the world. I want to be God's servant to speak when he tells me to speak, see? And say what he says, say. That when I come there that day, I want to hear him say, it's well done. That's, that's what I want to hear. That's what I live for. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have my little babies and things sitting down here tonight and crying for me, see? I'd be down there with them. I'm here to try to help somebody for the glory of God. I say, Brother Bram, what are you doing? I'm speaking to you like Christ spoke to the woman. And now, if Christ will grant it, may he do it. I can see the lady as she's... As our master said, he saw him under a tree that was Nathaniel. And I can see her standing, weeping, She's uh, suffering with a kind of a real nervous condition, and her head bothers her all the time. That is right. And it was some sort of a shock that did that. But I see you weeping. You're oh, you is your husband has just deceased and went home. That's right. You're not from this country. You come from another state here. You're from a state where there's a lot of hardwood trees. It's Pennsylvania. That's right. God bless you, my sister. And God bless you, my believing audience. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Daniel said of old, there is a God of heaven that can reveal the secrets of the heart. And truly, it was none other than the Lord Jesus who stood in the fiery furnace of the Hebrew children that was in the den of light, standing there, and those lines was afraid of that pillar of fire, the angel of the Lord. And you are light today, bringing light to your church to walk in. And I pray, Father, that you'll bless this woman and give to her the desire of her heart. Grant it, Father, I bless her as your servant. And thou hast said, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. And God, I ask that the devil be bound and will torment this woman no more, and may she go in peace. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you, ladies. Whatever it was your desire is, of course, I'd have to find the tape to know what it was. Go and believe you receive it. You shall have it. You believe? All right. Be reverent. I in the audience, are you believing? You out there praying? 
a little boy. A little laddie, I sure don't know you, and you look like a fine-looking little fellow to me. <laughs> little hair slicked down, little brown eyes. Reminds me of my Billy when he was little. This little lad here, a dear little child. You know, Jesus of Nazareth tucked little fellows like that into his hand, uh, arms and he blessed them and said, Suffer, little children, to come to me. Forbid them not, for such is the kingdom. So therefore, if Jesus... Do you love Jesus, do you, Sonny? And if he was here tonight and had on this suit that he gave me, he would... I believe he would bless you if you'd ask him to. And he would, uh, he would give you the desire of your heart, I believe. But the first thing he would ask you, if you believed that he was the Messiah, that he had died for you and had rose again, don't you believe that? Well, now, Jesus went up into heaven, his body, corporal body, that's the body he lived in, and it's all scarred and bruised for our sins and for our sickness, and it sits on the throne of God. And the spirit that was upon him has come back to the earth. And it dwells among the people. And Jesus sent Brother Branham here to help you to believe on him. Now, if Jesus is here, he could tell you what was your trouble, couldn't he? Well, you know Brother Branham don't know you. But Jesus does know you. Because you said you loved him. And he loves you. Now, if he will tell me what you're here for, would you believe it's him and will love him and, and believe him with all your heart? Now, with this little innocent child, surely you people would believe, wouldn't you? Now, this, if God will do it, should be convincing to everyone, this child, little innocent boy standing here, I don't know what he's here for. He might be here for somebody else. I, I don't know, it, maybe it's his... It's some kind of trouble he's got at home. Or I don't know. I don't know what he's here for. But God does know the child. Now, I certainly would hate to stand here as a deceiver to that child. I certainly would. But I'd only stand here, God permit me to help the little fellow to love the Lord Jesus and believe in him. And surely you adults ought to believe but you know, the Bible said in one place over there that in the great millennium, they're talking about the innocence that like a little child would lead the animals around. That's simple, like little faith. Now, the little boy is not one of those critics that can stand off. He just opens his little heart. That's the reason Jesus could come in. The little boy is in a bad, serious condition. The little boy's trouble is in his ear. That's right, isn't it, Sonny? It's your ear. It runs, running ear. And I see that they're making ready for an operation for you right away for that. That's right. Right away you're going to have it. They're going to operate on you. And Mommy, your mother, is sick too, isn't she? And she has something wrong with her blood, isn't it? It's a poisoning in her blood, like something similar to gangrene in her blood. The doctor pretty well shook up about it. That's right. That's right, isn't it, son? 
you're not from here. You're not from Brooklyn. You're from a place called Long Island. Isn't that right? And you live uh, like a place called Bay Shore. That's right. And your name, your first name is Joseph, isn't it? Your last name is, is like, um, starts with a B. B-E-N-T. That's your first beginning of your word, is it? Huh? B-E-T. T. I see it fades from me just a moment. It passed from me. Somebody turned in the billy, and I didn't get to what his last name was. B. Port. That's right. That's right, isn't it? That's right. Amen. You believe? Now it's up to you, friends, whether you believe or not. Come here. God in heaven, have mercy on this child. Excuse all the unbelief, Lord, and let thy mercies rest upon this And grant that this child will receive exactly what he comes for, as I bless him in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you, honey. Now, you know that Brother Branham don't know you, did it? But whatever was said on there, it's on the record there, that was truth, wasn't it? If it was, raise up your little hand like that. All right. Go on your road rejoicing now and be happy. Make a real good man. Are you believing? Yes. Or would you still set in grow darkness and unbelief, seeing that the Messiah lives with you tonight? Trying to help you, trying to bless you. How sad it is, how dense unbelief is. Is this the man? How did you, sir? I suppose we're strangers to each other. We're strangers. I don't know you, never seen you in my life, but there's someone present here who does know you. And if he knows you, then he could, if he would permit me to, to be able to help you somewhere, sir, I, I don't know you. But if he could tell me what you're standing here in front of me for, would you believe it and accept it as Christ trying to help you, permitting me to do this by a divine gift which is ministered by an angel of God? It, would be, it wouldn't be contrary to the Scripture, would it? It'd be a, with the Scripture. You're very nervous, aren't you, sir? Nervous, and you got weak eyes that you won't pray for. Isn't that right? You got weak eyes. And by the way, you're a preacher too. Now I hear you say something, and you're like brutches. You speak Spanish or something. That's right. You're a pastor of a church. That's true, isn't it? How do you believe me? Here's another thing. A desire of your heart's been to meet me for a while. That's right. I'm not reading your mind, but that's your heart. That's right. Well, I'm glad to know you. God in heaven, grant to my brother, who's standing in your presence, our Creator, the Messiah of God who we love, we pray that you'll give to our brother the desire of his heart and fulfill everything that he asks for 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, my dear brother. God bless you. Have faith in God. Don't doubt. Believe. Just a moment. Be just as reverent as you can be. But later. It's another picture again, like the Bible picture. You believe that? There's a lady looking right up towards the heavens over there. She wears a little flower, a little thing on the side of her head, kind of a greenish-looking dress. That you shook your head just like that. You're praying and asking God for me to turn and tell you so you can be helped. Isn't that right? You've got trouble in your side. Isn't that right? Just raise your hand now if that's true. Now you're helped. Your faith touched him, not me. I don't know you. I challenge you to believe it. Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus, just believe it and find out if it's right or not. Anywhere, up in the balcony, wherever you are, just have faith in God. Oh, what a feeling. And we don't go with the feeling, but His presence. Oh, how it just looks like it. If you just ask anything, it would be done. I just have faith in the irreverent. Now to you, lady. I suppose we're strangers to each other. We never met each other in life. I know nothing of you. And perhaps you know nothing of me, only just what you've read and been a minister. But you're here for some purpose. And if you're here for some purpose, I don't know what it is. And lady, I've got a mother at home tonight. I'd be home with my mother if I didn't think God sent me up here to New York. And I certainly wouldn't want to come here and tell you some false thing about myself that I could do to help you. I wouldn't do that because I'd be lying. But if God will permit me to, I might do something in His name that would help you to believe on the finished works of Christ and receive it. Do you understand? I trust that you do and that God will grant you your desire. If God will let me Know what you want to ask God, like it was in prayer. If God will let me know, or maybe say what you've been praying about, your prayer. What's been in your heart? You think of something else if you think about telepathy. You just let, let God tell me what you've been praying about. Let it come through prayer. And you know whether you ask it or not. May he grant it. And that surely would take the superstition from the unbeliever. You've been praying for God to help you of a severe nervous case you've been having. That's right. You pray for that both day and night. You're praying for a son also. <laughs> and that son isn't here. He doesn't even live in this city. And that son is suffering with a heart condition. <laughs> not only that, but one of the other things you're praying for for him, he's not a Christian. And that's the thing that's on your heart. However, I see another boy with you. 
And he's a kid about 10 years old, and he's a preacher. And here, the one of the desires of your heart, you be the judge. You are wanting me to lay hands on that boy, to bless that boy for his ministry that thus paith the Lord. Do you believe? Now you be the judge. Is that true? If Come here, Sonny. There's a little boy got his hair combed back, doesn't it? I see him. Uh, little smooth-faced boy. Come here, Sonny. Mother's prayer is to be answered tonight. God bless you, my little brother. Our Heavenly Father, I lay my hands upon this boy as your little servant. Perhaps someday I'll have to leave if Jesus tarries. And I pray that you'll bless this child. It's the desire of his mother's heart. And I pray that you'll anoint him. May he never go into error, but may he be a minister all the days of his life to preach the gospel and to win souls to thee. Bless his dear mother and the other things, whatever it was that you revealed tonight that she has need of, I pray that you'll grant me. And with my hand on the son and on the mother, I pray that in Christ's name that you'll give to them the desire of their hearts. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask it. Amen. God bless you, son, and receive what you call for. And God bless you. And God bless you, mother, and give you the desire of your heart. Go happy, rejoice, in the promise is yours. Amen. God bless you, son. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. Now, real reverence, just a moment, as we're moving along in the meeting. Now, how many knows the lady? Does anybody here knows the woman? Sure. All right. You know I don't know the lady. Ask her if I ever knowed her anything. Know nothing of her. But whatever it was, the only way I know it's on this recorder down here. It's a vision. It's Christ permitting you all to know that he's raised from the dead. This is not some fiction. It's the truth. Now, here is a lady standing here before me, like another place that the Lord to a woman. And were there believers, was there a man in the line tonight? Say, that man just was told him. What kind of a man was it? I, was it a, a man in the line tonight? You, sir? Was you the man that was in the line? Wait for it. All right. Now when the Lord spoke to you, why, he knew you just like you know that honest, sincere, religious man called Nathaniel. And he knows something about Nathaniel, where Nathaniel was or what Nathaniel done, and he knows the same thing about you. See? He can reveal it. Now, here's the woman. He knows the woman. I don't know the lady. I've never met you in my life. There's not a way for me to know you. But now, if the Lord Jesus will speak again, will it take all the superstitions and doubt from you? Now, remember, he's permitting it. This is his grace to you and to me. See? By 
permitting a divine gift to operate. Not me. I don't have one thing to do with it. Just my mouth is all. And my surrender, my will surrendered to his. That's all it is. You are the one that's doing it. Not me. God's permitting it, but you're doing it. Now, if I don't know you, never seen you, then if there's something you're standing here for, God can reveal it to me, can he? And if he will, would you, would you believe it comes, his permitting will to help you? Would the rest of the audience believe the same? Does anyone know the lady? Would you raise your hand anybody that knows her? Yes, there's people here that know her. All right. Then you be the judge whether I know her or any way of knowing her. She's just a lady standing here. But do you believe Christ knows her? Now, Christ loves everybody. And he wants everybody to love him. And this is his kindness to you that you might love him and believe him and have faith in his finished work for you. Now, be real reverent. I know it's getting late, but if you'll just stand for this one more and don't move around, I'll appreciate it. See, you are a spirit. If you wouldn't, you'd be dead. And your spirit, sometimes when unbelief becomes so dense, it hinders. You remember Jesus Christ? Well, you say, Brother Branham, that's psychology, isn't it? Then why did Christ take the man out of the multitude to heal him? Then why did Christ put all the unbelievers out of the house before he could raise Uriah's daughter? See, the eye is the gate to the soul, and when you're looking this way and clasping at something else as I know you are, son, see, then that's the hindering. God be merciful to your unbelief. See. Now, but ladies, as I say, you and I standing here, it's for your good. Christ would bypass the critics to get to you. Right, you believe that. Now, I don't know you, never seen you, know nothing of you. But I know that, that there's a shadow at you. It's evil. And you, you're very nervous upset and you're worried in your mind because I see you under an operation. I believe it's up in this way, in the breath. They, it's removing of a growth. It hasn't done very good. But Lady Christ knows all about this. That's true, wasn't it? I just want to look at you again. I've seen it, and I just want to see. You say, look at me? Yes. Elijah said to Jehoshaphat and the king, he said, if it wasn't I respected the presence of Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even look at you. And that means look to see what he can see for him. Christ is the healer. The doctors have failed. But Christ is the healer, sister. You're a desiring little woman. Your heart is a desire. You want to do right and live right. It's in your heart. You gave birth recently to a baby, but this disease struck you after the baby was born. That's right. Just so you know it, I'd be his prophet. You belong to a church. 
the Baptist. He loves the Baptist too. Now, do you believe that his words are true, saying, These signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. Will you covenant that with you and I tonight before God that God will spare you? Will the audience praise with me for the labor? Would you come here, Sister Dear? Our kind Heavenly Father, as this dear little mother stands here, desperately in need, and she's made her way against opposition, but she's come tonight asking for blessings. And, oh, Jesus, the Son of God, I pray all that I know how the prayer of faith for our sister. And may I speedily hear from her that the enemy has departed from her and she is on her way to recovery. Thou demon, yes, you escaped the doctor's knife, but you can't escape God's power. As the servants of God, we adjure thee in the name of Jesus Christ to lead the woman and come out of her, that she may be well for the glory of God. This we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I want you to write to me. Now, you're going to get sick in a few days. It's real upset, you see. If it dies, your bloodstream's got to purify that. It's just a dead growth laying there. You get real upset, but don't, don't, don't lose your faith. Stay right with it. Okay. Write to me in about two or three weeks. God bless you. Let us say thanks be to God. Now, look. Here's a lady here. that you might get that out of your mind, so you know it's not philosophy. Lay your hand over on mine, lady, just as a way of making All right. I don't know you, do I? I'm looking this way. I'm not reading your mind. If God will reveal to me what your trouble is, will you accept it and believe that Christ will make you well? If it's true, you'll know. You have a female disorder that God wants, that you want God to heal. It's got a drainage to it. It's a bathroom. You know that's right. You know it. No one is in there but you and God alone. And it's a female disorder. If that is right, take your hand off of mine and raise it up. See, you who think of telepathy, you don't even know what telepathy is. See? All right, sister, your face is saving. I'll go on your road and rejoice. Do you believe out there in the audience? Just a minute. I want to ask you something. I challenge your faith. Jesus was touched one time by a woman. And a woman that he well, touched him, he turned, and she denied touching him. But he knew her anyhow. And he told her what had happened. Now the Bible says, I'm trying to make this, if God will permit it, just as Bible did. Now the Bible says that Jesus is the same today. Is that right? Well, if he is the same, he's the same in principle, power, everything that he was. Is that right? And can we, does the Bible say that he is our high priest? Is that right? And the Bible says that he can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Is that right? Not saying that. Well, if he's already paid the price, now watch, don't make the Bible contradict itself. If he's already paid the price for redemption, remember, and the healing is complete, 
Now listen, scholars. If healing has been completed, and the Bible said that he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father as an intercessor upon our confession, and he could be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, how would he help us? Now saw that one out, will you? If he's already finished the work, and he can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, what takes place? It's his revelation returning it back like you see now, proving that he's raised from the dead. Look and listen. Believe. As we look over the audience. Everywhere. Take away your unbelief and be reverent. Just be reverent. You without prayer cards, again, put up your hands everywhere you are. I'm asking God for something everywhere. Well, be, I guess to be everywhere. All right. Just die your Or just pray. Look this way, pray, whatever you want to, it doesn't matter. I cannot. It takes him and your faith. Your faith can touch him. That's the only way I know. I don't know a soul out there. I just wait for him as you pray. Yes, I see the light, the pillar of fire, as I call it, that followed the children of Israel, standing over a lady with her hand up from the ill effects from an operation. Isn't that right, lady? Sitting right out there on the end of the row. You believe? You have an operation, didn't you? And you're suffering from an ill effect. Is that right? Raise up your hand. That's right, lady. Do you believe me to be God's servant? You do? What about the colored lady sitting next to you? Would you stand up a minute, lady, the colored lady sitting next to her? Do you believe me to be God's servant? Just to contact your spirit. You don't have to be up here. So that you know it's a calling in the prayer line of where you're here or there makes no difference. Would you like to get over that intestinal trouble and be made well? You believe that God would heal you of that intestinal trouble that you have? If that's right, raise up your hand. All right? Be seated and believe on the Lord. The lady next to her, what do you think, lady? Could you touch his garment? There's a white lady sitting next to her. You believe with all your heart? God heals diabetes the same as he heals anything. You believe that? With all your heart, all right, sit down and receive your healing. What about you, ladies, that's next to her? Do you believe with all your heart? Raise up. That's right. You believe me to be God's prophet, servant of God? All right, you got scientists. Head trouble. Your head. That's right, isn't it? Sit down, receive your healing. In Christ's name. Could I want to ask you something? Your husband's sitting next to you there. How would I know he was your husband? But I see you together at your home. Stand up, sir. You want to be healed? You think Christ can heal heart trouble and make you well too? If you do, raise up your hands. That's what you have. Go home. Be well. In Christ's name. Do you believe? Do you believe that the liberation of Christ is yours? I'm going to ask you something. Right now, my mind is changed on something. I want to know I want how many here that's a sinner and wants God to save you. It's time for you to come to the altar. 
You backslider, whole lukewarm church members. Your faith is at the altar before the judgment of God strikes you. I call you to the altar. Every one of you. That's cold and indifferent. He wasn't able to meet Christ. And you without the Holy Ghost. And if God will hear my prayers and point things out to me here, he's pointing to me you tonight that you're in need of him. And you know who you are. All over the building. If God will hear my prayer and open the eyes of the blind and make the deaf to hear the dumb to speak, surely hear my prayer for your spiritual condition. And now, while we bow our heads for a moment of prayer, I'm going to ask every person in here that desires these things from God to move up here before me here so I can pray for you, so I can sing them out instead of sitting way back in the crowd. I'm asking you in Christ's name to do it while our sister will play, if she will, all most persuaded while we are. Our Heavenly Father, why do you do this? I don't know. But something, there may be somebody here at the end of the road. I know you're never wrong. You're always right. And the angel of the Lord seems to speak into my heart and say, You stand here, I'll give you strength. And you call this all we Don't commit it to the pastor tonight, but you call it. And Lord Jesus, I'm doing just as you have bidden. And you know everyone in here, and you speak to their heart now, when they know that the risen Lord Jesus, the one that will stand before the judgment, is right here now. And bring every sinner and every backslider to the altar. May the lukewarm church members, those who have the cold confession, and they recognize that it's you here, and not a man, not your servant, but it's the God of heaven who is here. The critic and all, may they come and repent right now and call for mercy while we're praying, Father. Granted in Christ's name, with our heads bowed, we're going to sing one word. Almost persuaded. Everything is The rest of his nature way here quickly. Because it's not me doing this. This is the Holy Spirit, the work of him.
God, come on to the altar. No matter who you are, you're the presence of God. He's speaking to your heart. Now, he's the one doing the talking. He was just talking here with me a while ago. He's there with you talking now. That's him. Father, God may not one fail. This may be the last time that we be able to make a decision. May they come humbly, sweetly to Christ tonight. Every saint of God in deep, desperate prayer will not be the eternal destination of the soul just now. Come. Come. All things are ready. Come, whosoever will, let them come and drink from the water, the fountain of life breathing. Come, church member, come, businessman, come, backsliders, come to the Lord. Come, sinner friend, whosoever will, let him come. God bless you, young man. Just what you were supposed to do, and you're the one I pointed to in the balcony. I'm glad that God spoke to you of heart and attention that you had tonight. That's a blessing for you tonight. The rest. Once more.